Let's open our Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> In two Sundays, we will celebrate Christmas Day. This year, Christmas falls on a Sunday. What a glorious time to celebrate Christmas, but on the Lord's Day, the day of His resurrection. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew records the events that transpire immediately preceding the birth of Jesus. When the angel appears to Mary and informs her that she is going to bear a child, a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then later, Joseph is informed that this child that Mary carries is indeed from God. And that he is not to put away his wife, but he is to marry her. Because this is part of God's plan and part of God's purpose. Now let's read the scripture, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, we ask that you would, by the power of your Spirit, Lord, renew our minds, transform us, conform us to the very image of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to hear with hearing ears and to see with eyes that can see beyond the blindness of our natural sight. Help us to see by faith that you are truly God with us and that you are working. You have a plan and you have a purpose in everything that concerns us and everything in this world. For all things concern you. All things are of you. All things have come to be because of you. For you alone are the creator you spoke all things into existence out of nothing. And here we are, your creation, in your world. Father, let us be a people that demonstrates 
and shines forth your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if we think about the Christmas story, if we think about Mary and Joseph, this young virgin, this man betrothed to this girl, and if we consider the time that they lived in, if you just read a little bit of history about the world in the time of Jesus' birth, and you realize that they, they didn't live in a very convenient time or convenient place. There was much hardship in the world they lived in. And we might think if God is going to have a plan to save the world, there are lots of ways that he could do it. And if he was going to choose to have his son be born, we might even think that God would do it in a way where it wouldn't seem so scandalous. And here's this young virgin who is now pregnant. She's betrothed to a man, and to be betrothed in that day meant they were as good as married. The only thing that had not happened yet is they, they had not had a sexual relationship. There was no physical consummation of the relationship, but in every other way, they were married. They were betrothed. That's what that meant. She was his wife, and he was her husband. And the only thing that they were lacking was this physical consummation that would take place after the wedding. And for Mary to turn up pregnant, to say it was scandalous is an understatement. And the Bible shows us that Joseph, being an honorable man, decided that he would put her away secretly. He could have, in a very public way, had her not only disgraced, but perhaps even killed, stoned to death, executed for her indiscretion. And he had no reason to believe that this was nothing other than an indiscretion. He had no reason to believe that Mary was anything but unfaithful to him when she turns up pregnant. Until God comes to him, sends an angel to him, and makes sure that Joseph understands. We can't really even say understands. Makes sure that Joseph knows that he is to not put her away. He is to not abandon her, but he is to take her. Now what the Bible doesn't tell us is how they dealt with the scandal. Now imagine, here's Mary, pregnant, and all the friends and all the family and all the people in their circle know they've, they are not, they've not had the wedding yet. 
and this girl turns up pregnant. What the Bible doesn't tell us is how they handled the scandal. But obviously, we know they did. And we know that they handled it faithfully. Can you imagine how uncomfortable it must have been for Mary, for Joseph, for the family? But they endured the scandal. They endured the uncomfortable the uncomfortable interactions that must have taken place because they had a promise from God. And it really didn't matter whether anybody else in their family or in their circle of friends believed the promise. We know some did. But there must have been many who just thought that this was a promiscuous young girl who had betrayed the man she was betrothed to. And as it is with many things that that we all have to deal with, oftentimes there's not anything we can say or do that's going to make people believe anything differently, and we just have to accept that's the way life is. But the question is, where are we putting our faith? Are we putting our faith in God And in his promise? Or are we putting our faith in what men think of us? Now I'm not saying we shouldn't care about what men think of us. The Bible says a good reputation is something to be highly valued. But when it comes to choosing whether I'm going to choose my good reputation over my faith in God whether I'm going to choose the approval of men or the approval of God, for the believer, for the Christian, it should never be a question in our mind what we're going to do. We should seek the approval of God. We should seek obedience to God regardless of what the cost may be in the eyes of men. So here is... This story, here are these verses from Matthew's gospel which tell us about these events surrounding the birth of Jesus. Five centuries before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah penned these words. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 7.14 recorded for us there. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin shall bear a son. She shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we know what Emmanuel means because Matthew quotes that very verse from Isaiah. And he said, Emmanuel translated means God with us. That's what I want to talk to you about today. God with us. God with us. Isaiah also wrote these words in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So think about this, church. Over five centuries before the birth of Christ, Isaiah prophesied concerning a son who is God with us. He prophesied concerning a child to be born, a son to be given, who will carry the government upon his shoulder, the only begotten Son who is called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of this was prophesied and written concerning Jesus, who is called the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, who is God with us. Isaiah prophesied five centuries before an angel spoke to an unknown mother and an unsuspecting husband. A promise secured by God but not perceived by a mother or a husband. That promise was given five centuries before Mary conceived in her womb Jesus by the Holy Spirit. That prophecy was given five centuries before Joseph took a young virgin as his betrothed to marry her. And then she turns up pregnant. Here is the promise in God's word, but I can promise you that in the moment Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant, I highly doubt that he said to himself, oh, this must be the fulfillment of what Isaiah wrote. I don't think he probably said that. But there came an angel who informed them that this indeed is what God had promised. This is indeed the plan and the purpose of God. Two people living under the crushing weight of the world, but held in the hand of the all-powerful God, who had kept his mystery hidden while making his preparation. He prepared a vessel. Her name was Mary. He prepared another vessel. His name was Joseph. He prepared all things around them. He prepared a world. He prepared an empire. Because he had secured a promise. And God does not fail in his promises. God keeps his promise. Our ability to perceive God and His work has nothing to do with the reality of both of those things. Are you listening to me, church? Our ability to perceive God and His work has nothing to do with the reality of both. 
just because you or I cannot perceive God or perceive the work that he is doing does not mean that God is not there, that God is not with us, and it doesn't mean that God is not working. Whether you can see it, whether you can perceive it, whether you understand it, whether you are fully aware or you are totally oblivious has nothing to do with the reality of who God is and what God is doing. Mary and Joseph had no clue God was doing what he was doing. But God had prepared them. God had brought them to that very place and ordained that they would walk through those things as difficult as they were. God is with us, working in and around us in very seen and very unseen ways. But we often cannot perceive him or his most glorious works right in our midst. We miss much because we insist on looking and perceiving through our own lens. We have our own set of glasses. See, I've got my own set of glasses right here. And I put those on and I can actually see better. Now these glasses help me see better so that I can see in reality what I'm reading. So that I can see in reality what God's word says. But, but we all have glasses on whether they're physical, natural glasses. We all have a lens that we look through. In our life, our life experience, what we have been taught to believe, what we've been led to believe, but really and truly, more than any of that, what we want to believe. Are you listening to me? What we want to believe <clears throat> is the lens we choose to look through. What we want to believe and what is true are usually true. Two different things. We miss much because we insist on looking and perceiving through our own lens. Our ability to perceive God and His work has nothing to do with the reality and the power of God or His work. Mary and Joseph did not understand all that was happening before or after they were made aware of it by the personal appearance of angels their lack of understanding or inability to perceive the work of God did not in any way diminish the power or the glory of all that God was doing or who he is he may seem far removed but he is God with us he may seem far removed from you now but trust me he is not he has promised he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The world Jesus was born into did not appear to be a world inhabited by the Prince of Peace. But the moment Jesus broke from heaven into this earthly realm, the moment he was conceived even in the womb of Mary, the Prince of Peace was in the earth. The Prince of Peace 
had come to earth. The Prince of Peace had invaded the earth, but there was nothing about the earth that looked as though it was inhabited by the Prince of Peace. There was war, there was corruption, there was a oppression there was injustice on all sides and at every level it was a time in world history when it seemed that might absolutely triumphed over right man was challenged to see by faith the sure promise of god that remained invisible An invasion from heaven does not happen without preparation on earth. When Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb by the power of the Holy Spirit, the world had no idea of the invasion from heaven that was taking place. When the angels were heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plains, it seemed to be a remote and temporary interruption in the world, a strange happening that seemed to fade into obscurity. Those angels announced God with us, but he seemed to be invisible and unknown to most. So the world continued to walk in darkness even though the light had come. That work of preparation began before the words, let there be light, were spoken by God in the beginning when he was creating heaven and earth. The preparation to make on earth as it is in heaven, a reality began before there was an earth or a heaven. Preparation for all things began in the eternal counsel of God's will. They are brought to pass in His plan and purpose and made manifest throughout His creation for His glory. And the fullness of his glory is revealed and made manifest in the word made flesh that dwelt among us. The full glory of God. Every plan, every purpose of God, all the counsel of his will is revealed in Jesus Christ who is God with us and who is now God in us. The hope of glory. This is the reality for all who belong to Christ. Do you belong to Christ? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I was talking about an acquaintance I have and I described this acquaintance as a self-made man, a self-made millionaire. The reality is there are no self-made men. We use that phrase, but if we really stop and think about it, no one is self-made we have a creator. You're here because not, not because you made yourself. You're here because God created you. And if you are in Christ, you're not there because you made yourself worthy to be saved and accepted by Christ. You are in Christ because you are His workmanship created in Christ. That's what the Bible says. There are no self-made men. There are no self-made women. 
we either give glory and homage to God who created us and we realize that we have nothing apart from him or we live in our idolatry and we worship ourselves and everything around us excluding God. God is preparing the earth. He's preparing the world. He's preparing His people who are His workmanship for His plan and purpose and glory. This preparation is constant and continuous in seen and unseen ways. It is revealed and it is hidden. We can be conscious of His working, but much of the time it takes place in ways that that are not perceived by us. Yet His Preparing work is more powerful in us and around us than we can imagine, even when it occurs without our perceiving it, even when it seems that God is not with us. God is preparing all for the ultimate revelation of His glory. It is coming. Church, God has promised it is coming. What's coming? His glory His glory is here, and His glory is coming. Christ has come, and Christ is coming. He is preparing us in all things around us for the ultimate manifestation of His glory in the person of Jesus Christ at His appearing. When Christ, who is our life, appears, you will appear with Him in glory Paul writes in Colossians 3, 4, Get ready, for He is preparing you even now to make on earth as it is in heaven a reality in you and in all things. What God wins, He does not lose. God has invaded earth from heaven, and the occupying force of His invasion is His church. His assembly of called out ones who are commanded to occupy until he comes again. Luke 19, 13 in the King James. In the parable, Jesus says, occupy until I come again. That word occupy is translated in other translations. Be busy about the business of the kingdom. That's what it means. What is an occupying force to be doing? It's to be busy about the business of of the government of the king who sent them to occupy a land. And his promise is that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus gives us this promise in Matthew 16, 18. And you will notice in those verses in Matthew, when Jesus declares his intention to build his church, he informs us that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Gates are for defense. Gates are not offensive weapons. They are defensive structures. Gates are stationary. They open and close, but they don't advance or retreat. They withstand offensive attacks. They do not commit offensive attacks. We consider the enemy to be the one that is conducting the offensive. How often do we put the enemy in this mindset in our minds this is the lens we look through that it is the enemy that's on the defensive and we're here standing trying to defend ourselves against the big bad devil and we quote the scripture and we 
make sure we put on our armor every day so the devil doesn't get me. Listen, we need to get out of that mindset. The devil has been defeated. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. First John, John writes this, for this reason the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians, Paul writes that Jesus triumphed over Satan. He triumphed over our enemy in the cross. He made an open show and an open shame of him. He triumphed over the enemy. Yes, the devil is still real. Yes, he still roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. But we're not to be holed up in our cities behind our walls hoping he doesn't devour us. The picture that the Bible gives us is that we are to be out on the offensive seeking and destroying every vestige of the kingdom of darkness, taking captive those who have been held captive by the kingdom of of darkness, we should be out appropriating the victory that Christ has won for us by his death on the cross and his resurrection to life. The gates of hell shall not prevail. The church is called to be on the offense, attacking the gates of hell. He is God with us. The gates of hell cannot prevail. If you know your history, you know that in World War II, the Allied forces invaded the beaches of Normandy, and that was the beginning of the end. That invasion sealed the defeat of the Axis powers. Though the fighting continued after that invasion, that invasion spoke the end. It was only a matter of time before that war would end and Hitler would be defeated and the threat to the world would be no more. The church is commanded by Jesus to go therefore and make disciples to storm the gates of hell and see the liberation of those held captive. Jesus came to set the captives free. He secured our victory in his death on the cross and in his resurrection to life. He commands us to appropriate that victory by preaching the gospel and making disciples. He has committed this privilege to his church, his assembly of called out ones who are commissioned to go into all the world and make disciples, preaching and teaching them to obey his commands. Jesus spoke these words. Matthew recorded them for us in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Making known his truth that has the power to set the captives free and make them free indeed. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. John chapter 8. Jesus did not win the ultimate victory lifted up on the cross in order for us to lose it on the ground. What God wins, he doesn't lose. We're not waiting to find out whether God's really going to win in the end. He has already won. Which means, in Christ, you have already won, even though the battle is still ongoing. The victory is complete. 
The kingdom of God is advancing. The gospel is working. The increase of his government and peace shall have no end until he comes again. You are my inability to perceive God's victory does not negate it, but it does inform us that we need to stop walking by sight and begin to walk by faith. Jesus taught us to pray. Let's say it together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you catch that? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. To him be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Don't be fooled by a small baby in a manger. For that babe was and is God with us a conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't fail to see as many did in the days when Jesus lay in a manger or walked on the earth or hung on a cross, the power and the glory that are His. He has overcome every enemy, even sin and death, and all power and all authority and all glory have been given to Him now and forever. Amen? His glory and power were unseen to most in his infancy. His authority was questioned by those of lesser authority. When all was said and done, he was led away to trial and death. His anointing was dismissed as he hung on the cross and died. But throughout it all, his glory, his power, his authority, and his anointing remained intact. Nothing of him was diminished in the slightest by the hand of man or even by death itself. Christ overcame all by the power of the Spirit to the glory of the Father. He ascended and he was given a kingdom with all authority in heaven and on earth. And if you belong to Christ, you have been given his name that is above every other name. You have been commissioned in his authority to go in his name to the nations and to make disciples. Christ fellowship lets Begin by going to our family and our friends, our neighbors and our co-workers across the room, across the street, across town, or across counties. But let us go and let us be obedient to the commission that God has given us in the authority and the power that he has invested in us. Truly his kingdom and his power and his glory are forever And you have been brought into that kingdom and into that power and glory when you were brought into Christ by grace through faith. God is with you and you are with God. And if you belong to Christ, then Christ is in you and he is your hope of glory. Trust him and know that he is God with us. Christmas and the season of Advent is the celebration of the one who has come. Emmanuel, God with us, is Jesus who has saved his people from their sin. He has come. He is here. He is God. He is with us. 
He is Christ in you. He is your hope of glory. Because He has come, because He is now in us, He will come again. He will come gloriously and physically to an earth and a people that have been transformed by His power and by His glory. And in that day, we will see Him. In that day, it will come to pass in all of its fullness, in all of its glory. The words that Jesus taught us to pray, we just said them, we just prayed them, on earth as it is in heaven. We know that day will come as sure as we know that God is with us. He is. I pray that you believe that, that you trust that, that you live to that end. Now is the time that we will come to Emmanuel's table. Come to Jesus. Come trusting that He is God with us and God in us. Come even if His work and His presence are not as obvious as you would like them to be. Come walking by faith and putting away the sight that blinds you. Come looking with childlike faith unto Jesus. Look to His work and look to His glory in all things, seen and unseen, known and unknown, perceived or not. Come looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, for He is God with us. I want to invite you to come to the table. I want to especially invite you to come with childlike faith. Trusting that just because you don't know everything, just because you don't see everything, just because you don't understand everything does not mean that God's power and God's glory and God's plan and God's purpose is diminished in any way, shape, or form, even in the slightest way, because it is not. Come to the table. Come trusting and come to Jesus. Here's your charge. I charge you as God does to walk by faith and not by sight. To resist the temptation to draw conclusions based on your blind sight. Instead, look to Jesus with eyes of faith. Know that your inability to perceive God and His work has nothing to do with the reality that He is God and that He is working all things together for good. Know that every invasion from heaven requires preparation on earth. God is actively preparing. He is on the offensive. He is invading this earth and filling it with His glory. He is doing the same in you and all around you. Trust Him with what you cannot perceive or understand. Remember, God never loses, nor do you in Him. Remember, He is the kingdom the power, His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Remember and so live knowing that He is God with us. Father, we are weak. And we ask that You would pour out Your grace upon us. That You would reveal Yourself to us in ways that we have not known. Lord, that we would be a people that would know 
beyond any shadow of doubt that you are truly God with us. We ask that you would do this, God, that we would be a people, a light in this world, a light to our family and our friends, steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing our thanks to God.